If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Will you pray with me? We are more than a bit confused, Holy One. For most of our lives, we've been told that we can stay out of harm's way by what we wear, by being conservative, by making it home by curfew. We could, we were told, keep safe by keeping sweet those in charge promised. Of course, our own experience taught us otherwise. The experience of our friends taught us otherwise. The experience of our grandmothers, our mothers, and our aunts taught us otherwise. High necklines and study hall don't guarantee anything. As it turns out, the responsibility of not being in the wrong place was not our responsibility in the first place. Jesus didn't say a single thing about skirt length or how wide the straps of a tank top should be in the Sermon on the Mount. Instead, Jesus focused on the person with the peeping problem. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And same for those who cannot keep their hands to themselves. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Jesus' instructions were not to women about what to wear or the risks of walking alone or whether or not she was asking for it, but to those who could not act honorably. For the ways we have misplaced the burden of responsibility Forgive us for the energy we've wasted trying to abide by rules not written for mutual respect. Comfort us as only love can and grant us a peace that surpasses our understanding. For the shame we have had to bear, raise our head and lift our eyes that we might see the dawn of a new day. We pray in the name of Jesus 
who chose a woman to be the first to hear the good news and then put her in charge of spreading the word. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. There is a fascinating scene in the book of Revelation where Jesus is standing and knocking at the door of the church. It has long been used as an evangelistic illustration focused on whether people will accept Jesus into their hearts or reject him, either by opening the door or not. Thanks to the interwebs, the image has been altered in a variety of ways. My personal favorite is the one that makes Jesus appear as if he is trick-or-treating. Whether you can Google it, it's a very deep rabbit hole. Whether focused on personal acceptance of Jesus into one's heart or Jesus trick-or-treating, those interpretations both take the scripture wildly out of its context. In the book of Revelation, prior to the scene of Jesus knocking at the door, the church of Laodicea is called out for being neither hot nor cold, but rather lukewarm. It it was not a compliment. It would be better for the church to be either hot or cold than to remain lukewarm. John, the author of Revelation, writes that Jesus warned them, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. When John wrote about Jesus being so irritated with that particular church, it wasn't unreasonable. Given the line we studied last week, we can understand how John felt confident about ascribing this particular tone to Jesus. After all, Jesus is not particularly pleasant in the Sermon on the Mount. While Jesus is, you know, does a really good job of boosting our confidence with, you are the salt of the earth, he also slides in that ominous warning, but if salt has lost its taste, how can saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. But today we have this, you are the light of the world, a city built on a hill cannot be hidden No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all the house. It seems to have a slightly different vibe, this line, slightly different than the salt proverb, as if, I don't know, maybe Matthew forgot to include the veiled warning after you are the light of the world. Maybe... Maybe he doesn't include it because he knew something about Jesus' plan to make house calls later. It's important to note that this passage is addressed to all of us, 
to the gathered community. It's, it's hard to tell when we read it in English because we lack differentiation between singular and plural second person you. But in the Greek, which is the language of the text, it's clear that Jesus is speaking to a plural audience using the equivalent of y'all. As theologian Melanie Howard notes, no individual embodies salt or light. Rather, the full community is needed to exemplify that which most resembles the light and salt of which Jesus speaks. So y'all are the salt of the earth. Y'all are the light of the world. Y'all are that city set on a hill. Centuries ago, English scholar and cleric John Donne wrote in response to these verses, Doth she, and did she, and shall she evermore on one, on seven, or on no hill appear? It is a good question to ask on New Member Sunday in particular, when we are already in a good mood and happily counting our blessings, including the fact that we now have more librarians on our roll per capita than any other congregation this side of the Mississippi. (laughs) Presumably, if Jesus were to knock on our door, he would find what our new members found which is meaningful and worthy enough for them to want to stick around, but also with the knowledge that there's some room for improvement around here. If it were a Sunday, the first faces Jesus would see would be the deacons offering welcome and an explanation about how to access the digital bulletin, mildly apologetic because... It is a bit different than what people are used to, and it takes some getting used to, but we don't just use this because our pastor is a millennial. We, we are working to reduce our carbon footprint, so we try to print as few things as possible, including those one-use paper bulletins, and we pair those efforts with recycle bins all over the church and solar panels on the roof. Those solar panels are actually what drew some of us into this sanctuary when I ask, what brought you to Mayflower? The solar panels was an unexpected response, but more than one person has, has said that. And it is because of the recognition that we have mutual concern for the only world we know. We do, of course, need about 20 more solar panels, so there's some unfinished work to do. Riverside Church preacher William Sloan Coffin once distinguished between two types of Protestant churches. At one extreme, a church conducts a program centered in worship and preaching with little else going on. In revolt against this self-contained type of congregation, another goes to the other extreme, minimizing worship and preaching and glorifying practical expressions of Christian service to the underprivileged and unchurched. No one can doubt the importance of worship and preaching at Mayflower. The chancel is too big and the pulpit too prominent to think otherwise. But this space also reflects the tradition of the plain congregational meeting house. No stained glass, nothing too fancy with agreeable gray, the most congregationalist of paint colors on the wall. Still. 
It is a sanctuary that people walk into and fall into a hushed silence because of the spirit of this place. Whether they are here on a Sunday for worship or they are here on a Friday to mourn the Dobbs decision. This is a place of generous theology, or as I mentioned last week, a place that practices theological humility. No set of creeds or doctrines one must believe in order to belong. We are a theologically diverse bunch. We are diverse in sexuality, gender, and romantic identity, a membership that is not limited to a heteronormative binary framework. But we are particularly pale. <laughs> Buell Gallagher, the former president of City College of New York, wrote, if conscience does not erase the color line within the Christian church, there will be no conscience left in their membership. So we continue to work to earn a reputation of being anti-racist. There is some unfinished work to do. In a church this size, we need ecclesiology in ecclesia, or little churches within the church, as Coffin observed. We don't call our small groups little churches, but that is what they are. Instead, we call them Martha Circle, the Guild, the Men's Group, Wednesday Evening Book Study, the Seekers, Bill Bible Pilgrims, the Widows Support Group, and Youth Group. And I am confident that if Jesus pulled up a chair in any of these gatherings, he would find himself engaged intellectually, spiritually, and socially. Although I would warn him that if he joins the youth group for one of their game nights, they will not just let him win because he is Jesus. Of course, we do not use this place only on Sundays, and we do not limit use of this place only to card-carrying members. As Brother Harry Fosdick once said of his own church, our building must be used to the utmost. It is wicked to have it otherwise. Of this, we can be fairly confident that Jesus would be pleased that we have such little unused space. Monday through Friday, Jesus would find our Christian education wing filled with the hustle and bustle of early foundations a model demonstration program for toddlers with autism, which provides comprehensive intervention using evidence-based strategies. Children who participate in this program receive a combination of services that are designed to meet the individual needs of the child. And as part of serving the youngest children with autism, Early Foundations also functions as an inclusive Mother's Day Out program so that children on the spectrum are able to participate in preschool activities and games with their peers who are not on the spectrum. And on other days, the people who are in this building are those who are here for recovery with SAA or here for comfort through compassionate friends, or here for healing with Al-Anon. There are, of course, some open rooms and an open calendar space for us to make even more use of this meeting house. There is ongoing work to do. But it is also true that if Jesus were to knock on Mayflower's door, he might have to wait in the parking lot line for a while. On 363 Saturdays, it's like a food carpool, people dropping off hot and ready lasagnas, sometimes getting a little backed up, but then they're off to the homeless lions and Joe's addiction. 
Those folks are in addition to the Meals on Wheels being cooked in the church kitchen every single Saturday and delivered by others who are part of this beloved community. On Thursdays, Jesus might have better luck catching us with our siblings of faith at Crown Heights United Methodist Church tutoring whiz kids. Mayflower provides most of the tutors there, good-natured folks who are teaching the next generation reading proficiency, but more importantly, that someone else believes that they are smart and capable. Jesus might also need to do a ride-along with one of our 24-person Afghan family support team made up of Mayflower and community member volunteers with significant support from the Mayflower men's group. These folks continue to walk with the Afghan families who arrived in 2021, assisting with doctor visits, follow-up appointments, getting renter's insurance and car insurance, connecting Wi-Fi, and doing whatever it takes to empower health and wellness and wholeness in what must seem like a very strange land, even a year later. There is still plenty of unfinished work to do. And speaking of work, there's plenty of room for others to serve and plenty more heavy lifting to do around here. Joe's addiction needs serving and cleanup help, as well as volunteers to do laundry on site on Saturdays. We are needed at the Capitol to fend off the tremendous number of anti-trans bills flooding the legislature. And while it seems like they could not possibly come up with more restrictive abortion legislation, some Oklahoma legislators have indeed risen to the challenge. And public education, public education is so very vulnerable right now. Separation of church and state is at risk this Tuesday when the virtual charter school board will hear testimony from the Catholic Archdiocese of Oklahoma City and Tulsa to receive public money for private religious education. We must be on the record that starving public schools is against our religion. After we're finished at the Capitol, we'll need to head to the Corporation Commission, which is just a short walk down Lincoln. We're needed there too. OG&E has already instituted one rate hike this year. And given that there were four rate hikes last year alone, the commissioners really do need to hear from us. And of course, we have already had to mark the first death of the year in the Oklahoma County Jail. There were 16 last year, so there's some urgency. And while the new Attorney General asked the Oklahoma Court of Criminal Appeals to slow the pace of state executions, we are still set to practice an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, even though someone else gave us some other options. Some say it's a fool's errand, our work and ministry here in Oklahoma. After all, there is so much pain and suffering, and I don't know anyone who thinks that we haven't hit rock bottom yet. But this is this is exactly where we are supposed to be, in a place where the shadows are deep and long. Jesus was on to something in the Sermon on the Mount. In a time when there was great suffering, in places where the people wandered in darkness, Jesus declared that his followers were the light. He knew that right 
in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the violence and the hardship, that's where God's love needed to shine the most. For in the absence of anything else, light serves little function. Rather, for light to be the most effective, it must emerge within a poorly illuminated environment to brighten that which already exists so that it may be perceived by others. To say that our beleaguered state is poorly illuminated is an understatement. But this just means that we are in exactly the right spot to do God's best work. So because we are the light, we, beloveds of Mayflower Church, we are going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.